Thanks, team. Why don't we give just give them a, a warm uh, hand clap and uh, vote of thanks. You know, they are um, here through the week, practising through the week as well, and uh, uh, practising at home, some of them as well, and, and just um, wanting to bring a real, real great service on Sundays. So, praise the Lord. Why don't we pray before we receive the word this morning and just get our hearts ready to receive. And the Lord, I'm sure, has um, much for us today, and I, I think he's already started giving, you know, through the communion message as well. I appreciate that word, Pastor Jess. Um, but um, let's pray and ask the Lord a blessing on, on his word today. Lord, we, we do. We, we come before you, Father God, with open hearts today, Lord God. Lord, that revelation would come, touch our hearts, Lord God. Lord, that we would see things that we've not seen before. Lord, we declare that the entrance of your word gives us light, Father God. We say, Father, that there are light switches going on all over the congregation today, Lord God, right through the congregation. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Uh, bring that revelation knowledge that we might live by, that we might walk in, Lord, that might lift us to new places in you and in your kingdom, Lord. Lord, that we might serve you with our whole hearts, Lord, knowing your word, knowing what you're saying to us in all of our ways, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Okay. Well, we're um, we're we're actually continuing on our series uh, on the faith life, and of course, that's a uh, a life that we're all called to. Um, Faith is not something that we should only turn to uh, in difficult times in life. Uh, it's a way of life. And that's, uh, that's the reality that we, we're uh, getting a hold of. Giving thanks to the Lord becomes our expression of our faith. Someone said that there's no higher expression of our faith than to give thanks. You say, well, I don't know how to express my faith. Just give thanks. Just start praising the Lord right where you are. Start thanking him. You're not thanking him for the situation you feel that you might be in, but you're thanking him for the answer. And that's an expression of your faith. And someone said that's the highest expression of your faith, is to give thanks. Why? Because as you give thanks, you're saying, I believe I receive. I believe I have your answer. I have your solution. And, um, and of course, it becomes a way of life. Giving voice to God's promises and, of course, saying what God says about um, and what God says about us is also so very important. And, of course, how we start from where we are and, and where we get to where God wants us is very much that pattern, you know, being vocal and, and uh, opening our voices. Psalm 107 is a psalm written by David. And, as you know, David was a worshipper. He was a man after God's own heart. And, uh, and of course, he, in this passage, captures the, the faith way of life. Psalm 107. And um, verse 1 to 3, it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. We've been singing about the goodness of the Lord this morning. And it says, For his mercy endures forever. And again, verse 2, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That, <laughs> let the redeemed, that song, that's been on my heart all week. It's like being a record playing in my head all week long. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And I'm saying, Lord, are you saying something to me? You know, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And of course, we sung it this morning and I, I, I forgot that it was even on the song list. So I'm thinking, well, the, the, the team are in tune. Hallelujah. But um, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered, uh, look what it says, and gathered out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and the south. You know, saying what God says about us is how we see ourselves the way that the Lord sees us. What do you say of yourself? What do you say about yourself? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Are you saying I'm the redeemed of the Lord? 
Is that your communication during the week? When you look at that person in the mirror, you say, well, that's the redeemed of the Lord right there. You know, I'm looking at the redeemed of the Lord. You know, when we talk about redeemed, we're talking about being uh, brought back. We've been paid for with a price, the redeemed. We've been redeemed from our old ways and brought into a new way. And uh, we ought to be excited about that. Philemon chapter 1 and verse 6 just simply says that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. David knew a thing or two about winning victories. If you read about David, you know, in the face of the enemy, lions and bears slain out on the you know, top paddock in his dad's farm, you know. He knew how to uh, bring victories. But I tell you what it is, and the thing we need to see is it came from being faithful in little things. You know, being faithful in little things prepares us for the victory in big things. And uh, know the pattern. Never despise the day of small things. I tell you what, there's so often you see people that want to do the big thing. Oh, I've got the big thing going on. You know, I'm going to be doing the big thing. Uh, do the thing that God called you to. Oh, but God's calling me to a big thing, so I don't know that I have time for the little thing. No, no, do the little thing, because in the little thing, he teaches us and trains us. Before David could start taking on giants, he had to take on lions and bears. You know, that was a little thing. You say, well, I'd call taking on a lion or bear a big thing. But for David, it was a little thing, because what he was learning was how to do such exploits in the power and the anointing of the Lord. He's learning how to do uh, those battles and uh, not in his own strength, but in, in, in the strength that God would give him. The Lord trains us in the little things so that we are ready for the bigger things. Don't be so fixed on the big thing that you haven't got any time for the little things. Don't want to be on a roster to serve others because I want to be ready to launch out into my real destiny. I'm going to have a prophetic newsletter. No, <laughs> probably not. You know, and the, the problem is, you know, the, your, your preaching ministry, your prophetic mantle will never come unless you go through those learning times of the little things and uh, miss the development that comes in the faithful service, being a blessing to others. You know, the gift will take you so far, but I tell you what, what's needed is character. You know, the gift will take us so far, but when you get out into those areas where you're taking on a giant, what's going to have to come shining through is your character. And a lot of those little things that we find ourselves going through and those little experiences that you think are, 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 are you know, not, not, not so uh, uh, flash and, and shiny are the things that God deals with you and, and deals with your heart. Watch out for being so focused on the big thing that the little things become unimportant. You know, for, for David, overcoming in the face of giants didn't start with giants. It started with being faithful out on his dad's farm. You know, when it came to the ordination service, he wasn't even invited. He didn't even get an invite to that. That didn't arrive in the mail to him. You know, there's an ordination service and someone's going to be anointed as the next king of Israel and he's not even invited. You know, that would destroy some people. But just do what God called you to do. Be faithful in what God called you to do. If it's just being out in the back paddock with Dad's farm, do that. He learnt to never go running at his giant with his mouth shut. 
in those moments. He learned the power of speaking the word and saying what God says. He learned that out in the quietness of, you know, the back paddock. He learned to take on his mountain, saying what the outcome will be. He come running in that thing, I'm going to take your head off. You know. And, you know, Goliath thought, hmm, he's just a kid that wants to get ahead in life. <laughs> you were waiting for it, weren't you? Yeah, I know. Oh, well. Joel chapter 3 and verse 9, uh, in verse 9 and 10, it says, Proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. This is, this is how we fight our battles, isn't it? Wake up the mighty men. I like that part too. Wake up the mighty men. Sometimes that might in us, what God really wants to do in us, needs to be woken up. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. And get this part. Let the weak say, I'm strong. You know, what do you say of yourself? You know, see, how you feel in the midst of the battle is not what should be in your mouth. People say what they feel. People say what they're feeling. That becomes the confession from their mouth. You know, if you know the story of Gideon, Judges uh, chapter 6, verse 1 through to 24, if you want to do some homework a little bit later on, but he's hiding from the enemy. The Midianites are in the land and they're just everywhere. You can't even go out and work without, you know, coming against the enemy. And so he's threshing thrashing, uh, wheat at night, hiding from the enemy, you know, just, to, just so he can get a bit of flour on the table and, and bring home some food to his family. He's full of doubt and questions, as we all do sometimes get. And the angel comes and declares over him the word of God. And I love this part. We'll just look at it in Judges chapter 6 and verse 11 to 12. It says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Oprah, which belongs to Joash the Abrazite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide from the Midianites. So he's not being strong and mighty, is he? You know, he's, he's, he's all hidden, doing stuff after, you know, after dark. The Lord is with you, the angel says. And the, Lord, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. You know, if you find someone hiding, that's probably not what you're thinking, right? You mighty, you know, God calls things that are not as though they were. You mighty man of valor. And he said, me? You know, how could it be me? And at that moment, he's not full of strength. He's full of doubt and unbelief, as we sometimes can be. And let's just read on Judges chapter 6 and verse 13. It says, And Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? Sometimes people want to rehearse the problem rather than the victory. We're looking back when we should be looking forward. We're seeing what happened in the past when we did that. That failed. That didn't work. So why are we going to try again? In other words, it's the give up mentality. Oh Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles where our fathers told us about saying, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours. I don't know. I would have thought that he'd be going in his complaint. He'd be going in his misery. He'd be going in his murmuring. Go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? That's where the power comes. I tell you, the power comes from being sent. That anointing that comes when God equips you to go. 
All he had to do was get up and go and shut his mouth and start saying what God says. And you know, we're called the same way. Stop rehearsing what happened in the past. Stop, stop rehearsing the problem. Stop work, rehearsing what you see as your incapacity and start saying what God is saying. Start saying and speaking his promises out over your life. In verse 15, he hasn't finished yet. So he said to him, O oh Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. In other words, his view of himself was all based on things that he shouldn't have been looking at, shouldn't have been focusing on. The Lord said to him, surely I will be with you. There's your strength. The fact that he's going with us. I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. See, one man with God is a majority. One man, one man sent by the Lord is going to make a difference. Because as he sends us, as, he, as we go out with his word in our mouths, we go out with his strength, we go out with his might, and we do become those mighty men of valour. Apostolic grace is being released here, I believe, at this time, because you know, it's about him being sent. Him being sent, apostolic grace. Verse 14. And the Lord turned to him and said, and the Lord, uh, down there in verse 14, where is it? Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save, is, uh, save Israel from the hand of the Midian. Am I not sending you? You know, knowing what the Lord says about us becomes our way forward. You know, if you feel that you're stuck, Knowing what the Lord says about you and making sure that you believe what he says about you is your way forward. To get up out of where you are. Don't go looking for a prayer partner. Someone that will console you or make you feel better about your situation. Don't do that. Get a hold of the word of God. Get up and get going. You know, with what the Lord has given you. The word of the Lord. Renewing our minds to the word of God then becomes absolutely critical to our movement forward. It's that daily discipline for the faith life. To gain the upper hand, we're called to it. John the Baptist comes on the scene just prior to Jesus commencing his earthly ministry. And of course, the first distinguishing factor at work in John's life is that he knew what God's word said about him. True. You know, the priests and the Levites come to John to check his out his ministry. And he, of course, he's, he's baptizing multitudes. Something's going on at the River of Jordan and people are coming out to see what's going on with this guy called John the Baptist. And they're over there checking him out. And, and actually, the leadership, the religious leaders of the day send uh, a little delegation to say, hmm, what are, you, what are you saying about your ministry? What are you saying about what's going on here? Check it out. And then they said to him, who are you? that we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And the question to you today is, what are you saying about yourself? Look what it says. What do you say about yourself? And he said, he found in the, in the, in the Bible what the, what the Bible said about him. And we should too. Find out what the Word of God says about you and start living that out. Instead of what your mum said. You know, or... You know, some harsh person in your life who said things about you, and I know how they can wound and they can get into your life. Don't say that. Say what God's saying. Say what your Father in heaven is saying about you. I joke about it sometimes that my mother, week after week, you know, as the customers would come to the door to get her 
she was working from home, uh, her, her uh, dressmaking, and she'd introduced my brother, this is, this is Alan, he's, he's the brainy one. Then she turned to me <laughs> and said, this is Peter, he's the lazy one. Time after time after time, and of course, you know, and I've, I know I've shared that enough to let you know that um, my revelation was that I was motivated differently than my brother. And uh, he was a scientist. He wanted to do experiments. He eventually became a doctor and uh, loves experiments till today. He can tell you all the detail, the technicality. And I'm just different. I'm motiv motivated differently. And, um, you know, I guess you could say he, he was never after the reward. He was after the a calculation. I, I like the reward. In other words, if you do this, you'll get to do this. And, you know, it made sense to me more than how many times does it take to go around the, the yard to mow it, which is what he used to do, you know. <laughs> he was so annoying. What an annoying brother. Boy. But I tell you what, when he did go out into the bush to, you know, to get away from the parents and really play, he really played. I mean, bombs, we blew trees up, you know, we would go out and we did this and we, you know, and it was all scientific and all his nerdy scientific mates used to come with him and take 35 mil cameras back in the 70s, you know, 35 bombs, going, rockets going up and stuff and they, you know, and it was all hidden, you know, you weren't allowed to come home and tell mum about it, but um, they had it all in 35 mil full colour, you know. <laughs> Who did that? The nerds did that, you know. <laughs> you know, the question here for us all um, is, can we do the same as John the Baptist? Can we find what the Word of God says about us and live that out? You know, what is, what is, you know, what do you save yourself? It's critical because what we save ourselves is what we're going to be saying as we go out. As we look at the person in the mirror, what are we saying? You know, it is the biggest change that you're called to make in the Christian life is a change of saying what you've always said, what someone else has said about you, saying what you feel, vocalising your mood swings, saying what you see through doubt or unbelief, to, and this is the change, to saying what God says, saying what God sees. And when he lets you see things, when he lets you see things about the future, you start to align your life up with it through your words and your believing. When we make that change, the power of heaven turns up. I tell you, the power of heaven turns up exactly for that. Look what it says in Isaiah 46 verse 11. It says there, calling a bird of prey from the east. And remember, those birds of prey go out and grab things, don't they? You know, they go out for their quarry. You know, the, the thing that you want, the thing that, you know, is set there uh, to be had. Calling a bird from the east. Look what it says. The man who executes my counsel from a country. Indeed, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. Calling God's word into being is the lifestyle like a bird of prey that is released to bring in its quarry. The word of God is released by us through our faith. As we speak God's word through a believing heart, we're called to execute God's counsel, I believe, and to call things that are not as though they were. And of course, for the person thinking, oh, that's all just a little bit too fanatical for me, yada, 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 heard some of that before, I would say, do it. See what happens. Put it into practice. 
And you watch what happens when you start getting a hold of God's promises and start personalising those and making those yours. I'm going to live this way now. I'm not going to believe that anymore. I'm not going to say that over my life anymore. I'm not going to speak that out. I'm not going to you know, make those kind of uh, uh, proclamations out over my life anymore. I'm going to say what God says. And you watch what happens. You know, um, the Apostle Paul gives an outstanding example of someone standing on the promises of God who, over a period of time, believing God's word, making mistakes along the way, we all do, we have to go, oh, sorry, Lord, I just didn't quite get it right there. Forgive me, Lord. Believing God's word, making mistakes along the way, we should recognise that there's a place for that. I spoke about that last week. But getting to the place of believing and receiving, getting to that place, and that's the place we all want to get, isn't it? You know, someone says, look, I tell you what, Pastor, I'll try it this week and see how it goes. You know, the type of commitment to see this work in your life is when you flat out commit to it and say, that's it. It's a quality decision. It's not a decision I'm going to turn away from. And you watch the fruit from it. You know, you'll be able to glorify the Lord over every single area of, the law, uh, you know, of your life because it's all coming under the word. It's all uh, a part of what um, uh, God wants you to prosper in. Romans chapter uh, 4 and verse 17. And as it is written, talking about Abraham, as it is written, I've made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the presence of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being what does not yet exist, calling things that are not as though they were. That's a lifestyle. You know, what we tend to do is we start to say how things are and that becomes as far as our confession goes but we're to call things that are not into existence just like our heavenly father and here's the promise for Abram and Sarai you are going to be the father of many nations and Abram believes and has righteousness gifted to him he gets a new name change Abraham and Sarah they get both get new names they're now living by faith and not by sight believing God at his word no matter how it looks. Here they are, they're living that way, and it becomes lifestyle to them. They're not just doing this just a little bit, they're doing this flat-out constant. And just so we understand how that works, the Apostle Paul unpacks faith as it worked in Abraham's life for us. And I don't know about you, if you're not taking notes, this is where you should start taking notes, all right? Because Paul unpacks it so beautifully for us. Look what it says in Romans chapter 4 and verse 18. It says, who contrary to hope, in hope believed. In other words, they believed that this is true. They started to say, I, I like to think this is true. They're going to be the father of many nations. And the problem for Abraham and Sarah is Sarah was, uh, was um, barren, unable to have children. Abraham was old, and they're both in their old age, and God's saying, you're going to be the father of many nations. And they know that starts with having kids, you know. That starts with having, you know, giving birth to a child. Now, Heavenly Father has made promises that we can all call into being, no matter how hopeless or impossible the situation may look. Romans 4 verse 19 and it says this is the part you want to write down and not being weak in faith and I tell you some people are weak in faith but the Bible says and not being weak in faith he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb in other words he had to consider not 
Why? Because, you know, and, and, and so, so important, if we're found to be weak in faith, whose fault is it? It's not the Lord's fault if we're found to be weak in faith. It's not the Lord's fault. I'll just say that a few times. It's not the Lord's fault if we're found to be weak in faith. But what we have to see is he's looking for faith. He's looking for that in our lives. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Notice that Abraham had to consider not. He had to get to that place where he considered not. He had some things that were undeniable facts that he had to consider not. He wasn't in denial like the Egyptian scuba diver. Believing God at his... <laughs> believing God at his word. It, he knew how old they were. He knew where Sarah was at with her health. Believing God at his word is not an exercise in denial. Okay? So in other words, you say, but these are the facts. That's right. These are the facts, but this is the truth. So it's what, it's, it's what you're relating to. You can look at the natural facts and say, that's the way it is. And make that your focus. Make that your confession. Make that the thing that locks you in for whatever that is. And they could quite easily have done that. Or you can go to the truth. Okay? And the truth is what God says. You say, well, what kind of truth is that? It's the highest truth. And we're going to relate to the highest truth as God's people. Amen. We need to come to that place where we can say the facts may be, but the truth is. God's word is the higher truth that we're depending on. Putting our trust in the word, his promise, what he has said about the situation. Let's face it, when you look at the facts, it can look impossible when you're just looking at the facts. But we need to have our gaze fixed on God's word. Romans chapter 4. Getting close to a finish now. Hang in there. Romans chapter 4. Those droopy Sunday morning eyelids. I know that look. All right. <laughs> Romans chapter 4 and verse 20. It says, And he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. How do you get strengthened in faith? Giving glory to God. You know, when you're sitting there and you're looking at the, at, at the facts, what you need to do is move over to the truth and start giving God the glory. Start giving the God the glory right there. Well, Lord, this is what it looks like in the natural, but I'm, I'm going to shift over to the supernatural. I'm going to operate in the supernatural. I'm going to speak God's word. I'm going to speak your word. I'm going to say what you're saying in the midst of this situation. And I'm giving you the glory. And I'm going to release the highest expression of my faith which is to give you thanks now for that which you have promised. And that's release of your faith right there, real fresh, right in the Lord's uh, face. Release that to him. But was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and, not being, and being fully convinced, and sorry, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Fully convinced. He wasn't just partly convinced, he was fully convinced that if God, you've promised that, well, then you can do it. And I'm going to believe to see that. I'm going to believe to see that fulfilled. What's the situation you're facing? Bring it to God, run to God with it. Go to him and say, Lord, this is what it looks like. This is what the facts are. But Lord, your word says, you'll deliver me. You'll bless me in this. You know, say what God says. And of course, here are the steps. Number one, if you're writing notes, don't waver at the promise of God. 
His word is good. He's faithful to his word. Number two, give God the glory. We do that every Sunday morning when we worship the Lord together. You can give God the glory all day long, all week long, but we do it together as a family on Sunday mornings. Give the Lord the glory. Giving God the glory is praising him, worshipping him, giving him thanks for the promise fulfilled. Whatever it is that you're believing God for, lift your voice in song and worship and praise him. Let him know that you believe his word. And number three, be confident knowing that he has promised. What he's promised, he's able to perform. You know, his hand is not shortened that he cannot save, the scripture says. That he cannot deliver, cannot lift you up, raise you up out of that situation. Amen? Man, that's the people that we're called to be. You know, we're not denying the facts. We're not saying that's not how it is. No, we're saying, no, supernatural. We're moving over to this is what we see God's word say and this is my reality and he'll bring it to pass amen I tell you what I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up right now I'm going to pray why don't we stand to our feet as they come we're going to pray and just seal that in the in our hearts today as a word that we're not just going to hear today but we're going to be doers of the word we're going to find an application of it in our lives and start working it out start walking it out in our lives and you watch you'll see fruit you know, you'll see fruit. Praise the Lord. Father, we again, don't we just pray. Father, we again thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for its impact on our lives, Lord. And Lord, we thank you that um, as we speak your word, faith comes. And I thank you for every heart today that's been stirred, Lord, to a commitment, stirred to a, a, a fresh determination to do your word, not just hear it. Father, to put it into practice, Lord, in uh, even uh, little circumstances, Lord. Lord, we want to be those people, Father, that that like Gideon, Father God, went out in the strength of the Lord. Even though uh, previously he'd, he'd just been uh, there uh, fearful and worried and hiding. Lord, we want to be like uh, uh, David, Father God, that one that, that knew, Lord God, that if he could be faithful in little things, Lord God, he would be faithful in big things and that you would be faithful to him. Lord, we're like David today, Father, and we thank you for that work that you do in our lives, Lord God, helping us to, to know your way. And Lord, we thank you that we're also like Abraham and Sarah today, Lord God, standing and believing you for promises. And, and even as they believe for 25 years, we're not afraid of the duration or the length of time that we might need to have our faith out there because you, we know ultimately you're faithful to your word. And Lord, that you will fulfill your word in our lives as we stand and give thanks and praise to you. Lord, we seal these truths today in our hearts, oh God, that we might not just be hearers of the word, but we would be doers, and that we would all see those victories. And Lord God, our giants vanquished, our mountains moved, and Lord God, your blessing in our mouth, Father God, in Jesus' name, your blessing, Lord God, as we continue to praise and worship you. Lord, we ask these things today in the precious name of Jesus and bless us as we go. Bless us as we fellowship together. And Lord, set a watch over our lips that we may only speak your word, Lord, today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.